Hi, this is John, creator of Tale of the Manticore. Last June I announced the good news that I plan to increase my output from two to three shows a month. At the time I figured I could maintain that release rate for a couple of months, maybe until the fall, and then I'd be forced to go back to the saner two per month schedule. Well, my non-fantasy life has inevitably reached a level of complexity where I'm forced to do just that. And so, starting now, I'll be returning to a two-per-month release schedule. I hope you won't be too disappointed. Thank you very much for your patience and understanding, and as always, thank you for your listenership. And now, on with the show. The following podcast is intended for a mature audience. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back to Tale of the Manticore. Like the creature from which it takes its name, Tale of the Manticore is a mashup, a crossbreeding between two different species of storytelling. Here you will find the unpredictability of old school paper and dice games with the storycraft of a dark fantasy novel. No character is sacred and no character will be spared if the dice decide their fate is at hand. The dice determine all. According to lore, the tale of a manticore is barbed with cruel iron spikes. There will be much pain in the days ahead. Last time on Tale of the Manticore. In the last chapter of Tale of the Manticore, the party moves deeper into the shrine of Gruenmog after defeating the fire beetles. Before long, Harl is forced to continue alone into parts of the shrine forbidden to non-dwarves. Fortunately, there are no more battles to be fought within. However, it seems the violence is not over yet. Harl makes a chilling discovery when he finds the bloody body of a priestess of Grunmog spilled over the altar in the inner sanctum. This cleric, or Solemn, as they are known in the dwarven culture, is familiar to Harl. Solemn Alani was his distant cousin. When Harl investigates, he finds a very suspicious wound among the many other cuts caused by the fire beetles. The placement of this particular laceration suggests that the cleric was not actually killed by the fire beetles, but by a knife drawn across her throat. Harl isn't sure what to make of the mystery, but he's certain that he needs to inform Lord Cleneth without delay. He returns to his companions and tells them that they all need to go back to Dwarvar immediately. The party departs the shrine and begins to ascend the mountain. Lying in ambush, not far off, is Anatar Ironskin. The party has no idea of the danger they are about to face, but it is worse than anything they have ever seen. Between the lines. The party is about to be tested as never before, but we won't begin this encounter until we've given a couple of party members their well-deserved reward for having survived thus far. Lasting 22 episodes in Tale of the Manticore is no easy thing. Both Gyrios and Umura will level up today. I wish for the party's sake that Kagan was leveling up today too, but his turn is still a short ways off. I have deviated from the basic rules with regard to level ups. It's something I've probably mentioned before, but maybe I should restate. 
When originally faced with the question, when exactly does a level up occur, I checked the BX rules. Incidentally, this rule is hard to find, much thanks to Abel Enzo of the Iron Realm podcast for directing me to it. The BX rules say that level ups happen when an adventure is, quote unquote, over. Those rules assume a campaign that includes a home base and a go and return play style that Tale of the Manticore does not use. So I've made some changes to the leveling system, such as awarding new hit points immediately upon level up. As before, both Gyrios and Umura will receive their new hit points without needing a rest. A reminder that I've tweaked my own ruling and decided that, as of level 3, I'll be rolling for hit points and minning out at half. Gyrios and Umura can also roll for ability score improvements, as always. The tricky part comes down to how they will acquire their new spells. When Umura gained her second level, I decided to let her retain the Charm Person spell in her mind, as though the casting did not erase it from her memory. This seemed harmless enough at the time, it also seemed to serve the story well, I thought. Gyrios got his first spell in an even more colorful way. He didn't need to pray for it. His deity gave it to him at his time of need. I'm happy with how I handled that even if it wasn't strictly by the book, but both of these situations raise an important question. How do spellcasters receive new spells? Do they just pop into their minds? Let's take a moment to think through this now and make a call, since it could affect the whole story going forward, and it could certainly affect the outcome of our imminent encounter. One more or fewer curative spell could easily make a life or death difference there, so I want to think this through and make the right decision. Let's start with Umura. Magic users are considered to be always thinking about their spells and research and devising new arcane ideas in their rest time. Spells don't just come into their minds out of nowhere, but come as aha moments after long periods of consideration. Learning a new spell is not the same as memorizing a spell though, so I think I'll make Umura wait until she rests to get her new spell and memorize it. I'm not going to retcon how I dealt with it before in chapter 11. I'm happy to give this little bonus to any character when they gain second level if it's good for the story, but for levels after that, new spells will need to be memorized before they can be used. For Gyrios, as much as I'd like to give him this new spell, and as much as I think the party will need it, I think I need to stick with the spirit of the original rules as much as possible, and so I'll also make him wait to get his new spell through prayer. For those who play 5e, you might think of it this way. The two characters have grown their spell slot capacity, but those slots are not yet filled. Wow, that's more rules talk than I've done in a while. Let's get to rolling. Umora, ladies first. She's to receive new hit points right away. As a magic user, she'll get a die four, minning out at half. Bad luck. I've rolled a one. Round it up to two to min out at half. Plus her constitution bonus of plus one brings her to 13 hit points. Well, that's really not too bad, even with a crappy roll. Next up are the rolls for stat increases. Let's go. Strength. I've got a four. Nothing there. Intelligence. A two. Nothing again. Wisdom. Only a one. Dexterity. A four. Constitution. I've rolled a two. Charisma. Another two. Too bad. No increases for her. After she has time to rest, she'll get something wonderful though. A second level spell. I'm actually very excited for this, and hope like hell she survives long enough to find out what it will be. Gyrios, you're next. Hit point increase. A six! Gyrios has maxed out. With his con bonus, that's 21 hit points. Gyrios is a tank. Stat increases are up next. 
Strength. I've rolled a five. Almost, but no. Intelligence. A three. Wisdom. Only a one. Dexterity. I've got a two. Constitution. I've rolled a five. Close again, but no cigar. Charisma. A four. Nope. Nothing at all. Maybe Kagan and Aerodine will have better luck with those rolls in the coming episodes, if they last that long. Gyrios will also get another first level spell slot, but it's empty and in fact he currently has no spells available at all. Hopefully, he's learned to use that flail a little better since the last fight. Speaking of fights, let's get back to the action. Hail and well met, Traveler. My name is Kylan, and I'm the host of the Threat Dice Podcast. Come join us every Friday as we talk everything about tabletop RPGs. We've covered topics like alignment, how to run a session zero, magic, charisma, world building, homebrewing, and RPG system topics like Pathfinder, Numenera, Zweihander, and more. We have advice and discussions for GMs looking for new ways to approach old topics and for players who want to broaden their horizons. Come find Threat Dice on Twitter, at TumbleDie, and every Friday on your favorite podcasting app. Chapter 23, Part 1, Day 25, Morning, Party Status, Harl, 11 of 16 hit points, Kagan, 10 of 16, Aridine, 8 of 8, Gyrios, 21 of 21, Umura, 13 out of 13, Spells Available, Umura has memorized Hold Portal and Shield. They all heard it, the telltale tang and whip of a crossbow being fired. Instinctively they ducked, but a split second later they heard the sound of the bolt impacting stone a short distance to their right and understood that they were not the target. As one, they looked to the direction of the noise and realized with quickly mounting horror that the crossbow bolt had found its mark after all. It had been fired directly into a crack in the rock some twenty feet away from them. Mere moments after the splinter and clatter of the bolt striking stone, there came a scraping sound, as of a body being dragged across a stone floor. And then they saw it. It had a body as thick as a man's thigh. The giant serpent dun-colored and set with a yellow spiraling pattern across its scales, slithered forward, forked tongue darting in and out impossibly fast. The huge body swayed left, right, and left again as it propelled itself from the crack in the rock and directly toward them. As it neared, it reared up and unhinged its massive mouth, showing loose folds of pinkish-white flesh within and two needle-sharp fangs, each the length of a dagger. Harl stood stunned a moment, and uttered the words, Dolionir, Grunmacher help us now. Entering Combat According to the basic rules listing, the Rock Python is a five-hit die creature. This one has... 25 hit points, and an armor class of 6. In combat, it will first attempt to bite, 
the bite does 1 to 4 points of damage. On a successful hit, the rock python will coil around its victim and constrict in the same round for an additional 2 to 8 points of damage. The constricting will continue automatically every round thereafter. The rules don't say if the snake can continue to attack with its bite once it has begun constricting, or if the victim can attempt to break free of the serpent's grip. I'll rule that the snake can continue to attack with a bite throughout combat, and that a constricted victim can attempt to break free by rolling a 20 on a die 20. It's not much of a chance, but it seems to me that this should be a very hard thing to do. I will allow the victim to make a new check every round, and if they have one, I will allow them to add their strength bonus to the roll. Round 1. Initiative. The Rock Python. A 3. The Party. Also a 3. The snake is quick, but the party reacts quickly as well, and has a moment to spread apart and brace themselves before they clash. I'll say that since Harl is leading the way and Kagan is behind him, those two are twice as likely to be attacked as the others. I'm rolling to see who's attacked right now. The dice say Kagan is in the line of fire. Kagan's armor class is 4, and the python needs just a 12 to hit him with its bite. A 19, that's a hit. For just one point of damage, the rock python slaloms directly towards Kagan, rears up and lunges forward. Kagan brings his shield up, but just a moment too late, the weight and force of this creature is just too much for him. One of the fangs is dragged across his shoulder. But worse, Kagan is borne to the ground. In seconds, the python is coiled around him. Once, and once again. Kagan's arms are pinned to his side. Now the rock python squeezes Kagan. For six points of damage, Kagan hears one of his ribs pop and knows a moment of pure panic. Kagan now has just three hit points left. He'd better pray for some good rolls from the others. Because both parties rolled a three on initiative, combat is simultaneous, and so Kagan does have a chance to act. He needs a 13 to hit the rock python's armor class of six. His roll? It's a four. Clearly, he's not been quick enough. Harl, being closest, is the next to act. He swings with his axe. Harl also needs a 13 to hit. Nat 20! Wow, that's... Five points, plus eight, plus one, 14 points in one hit. Actually, it's even more than that. Let's not forget that Harl has anointed his hands with the sacred oils from the Shrine of Grunmog, and therefore enjoys an extra plus one to all hit and damage rolls, plus saves and ability checks. The grand total is 15 points. Harl getting a crit on this first attack after anointing himself is one of those times where the dice rolls can be just eerily appropriate to the situation. It's as if Grunmog had truly blessed this young warrior. Harl brings his axe down hard on the creature's tail and severs it. A spasm runs through the entire length of this giant beast as its tail is parted from its body and blood gushes over the rocky ground. Umura's next. For her action, Umura will back away and try to see whoever fired the crossbow. I'll allow her a perception check against her wisdom score at disadvantage to see Anatar as he scurries off. Her roll is a 10. She's failed. No need to roll again. Anatar has gotten away unseen. The next to act is Gyrios. He also needs a 13 to hit the giant snake's armor class of 6. A 17! That's a hit. But for just one point of damage, 
Gyrios is flailed, bounces off the creature's hide, seeming to do nothing at all. Ha! The rock python now has nine hit points remaining. Eridine will be the last to act this round. Let's see if she can bring this monster closer to death. An 18. The party is rolling well, and they've never needed two more. Eridine jabs the creature with her short sword for four points of damage. Little by little, the party is carving this monster up, but will it be in time? The rock python has just five hit points now. Round two, initiative. This roll will almost certainly decide Kagan's life. The rock python. A one, the party. A four, Kagan might have a shot after all, but he hasn't made it yet. Kagan is completely wrapped up in the coils of this giant serpent on the ground and being squeezed to death, slowly but surely. He has a chance to break free by force of sheer strength. He does have a strength bonus, and so he'll need to roll a 19 or a 20 on a die 20. Not much of a chance, but it's all he's got. Here's the roll. A nine, he is completely in the grasp of this creature. The pressure increases on his chest. He feels the air leaving his lungs. From the outside, his companions watch as he disappears beneath the giant coils of this monster. Harl is up next. He needs a 13. A 5 will not do it. Oh. Umora is next. She's not much of a fighter, and her spells don't seem to be very useful to her in this situation. So she continues to look for the hidden crossbowman, not knowing that he's long gone. Gyrios tries to connect with his weapon. He also needs a 13. He's rolled a 15. A good hit. Four. Another three points of damage. He brings the ball of his flail down on the creature's snout. It rears back, dragging Kagan's body with it, and thrashes about in a pool of its own blood. Clearly, the beast is hurt badly, and is at death's door. It has two hit points left. It appears that it's down to Eridine to save Kagan's life. Carefully, Eridine aims her strike. She needs a 13 to hit as well. 17, that's a hit. Let's see how much damage. Unless she rolls a one, Kagan will survive this encounter. Here's the roll. Ah, oh, no, it's a one. The rock python is not destroyed. Now this creature is thrashing wildly. Once again, its fangs open wide and its head pistons towards Eridine. Eridine's armor class is only an eight and the rock python only needs to roll an eight to hit her with its bite. It's rolled a two, that's a miss. But in what can only be described as a dance of death, a final spasm, as life departs this creature, the snake constricts. The creature will roll two die four to see how much damage the constriction does. Kagan only has three hit points left. I'll roll two die four separately. Here's the first die. A one. I still have to roll one more damage die. If I roll a 1, Kagan will survive. Here's the roll. I've rolled a 3. There's a series of popping sounds as Kagan's ribs crack one by one, and then a sickening crunch as Kagan's spine is snapped like a branch. The woodsman's blood flows over the coils of the serpent's body, zebra striping it in crimson the light in Kagan's eyes, visible between the coils of the massive creature, goes out. 
Round three. Kagan has died, but the party does not know this and fights on. Initiative. The rock python, with one hit point left. A four. The party. A five. Harl brings his axe up in a wicked backhand. He needs a 13. He's rolled a 14. That's a hit. And for four points, oh! the blade of Harl's crescent battle axe slices through this creature's neck. A spray of cold blood covers the dwarf from head to toe, and the giant serpent's head lands at his feet. was reduced to a single word and could not stop repeating it. Garyos, barked Harl. Is there not you can do for him? The cleric was kneeling down beside the woodsman's broken body, still wrapped in the serpent's massive coils. Garyos had two fingers placed against Kagan's neck. He was feeling for a pulse. Failing to find one, he sighed deeply and closed the dead man's eyelids. He looked back at Harl and slowly shook his head. Mazagar has called this soul home. There is nothing I can do. It is too late. Slowly, Umura came towards Girios to look upon the body of her friend. She found to her surprise that she did not have any tears to cry. She had started to develop feelings for this man, especially recently, and so she might have expected to weep, or perhaps even scream. But she felt numb, cold, as though nothing could reach her. Girios was saying a small prayer over Kagan and trying, without too much luck, to extricate the woodsman from the serpent's body. Even headless, the snake was immensely hard to move. Its body was essentially one massive muscle, and although it had loosened in death, it was still tremendously heavy. Harl and Aradine were off a ways now, looking around wildly for whoever had fired the crossbow bolt and provoked the giant snake, but there was no trace of the assailant. A short time later, Eredin returned to the dwarf with a hard expression on her face. She had some questions for Harl, and assumed he would have answers. He read her expression correctly, and replied, I, I do not know why this has happened. Clearly, something has occurred, something bigger than us, and we are caught up in the throes of it. Eredin turned away, dissatisfied, but still on high alert. The two continued to search the vicinity, they checked every nearby rock and crevice, but still they found nothing. They even searched the rock python's nest. They found no clues there, but they might have found something. The basic rules listing for rock python assigns it treasure type U. Consulting a table near the end of the rulebook, I can see there are small chances for various kinds of treasure to be present. Let's make this truly random and truly by the book, and roll through them all. There's a 10% chance to find copper coins. I rolled a seven, so there are copper coins. 92 of them, next is silver, 10% chance. An 89 means there's none, a 5% chance of gold coins. 94 means there are none, 
a 5% chance for gems and jewelry. I've rolled a 19, so there are none of those. There's a 2% chance for magical items. A 45 means there are none. It would seem that among the bones of various kinds of prey, large and small, they found a few coins. Judging by the bones and the nature of the treasure found, I'll say that they also find the skull of a hobgoblin, in fragments but recognizable to Harl. Aradin will take the coins and return to Gyrios and Umura, who, by now, have extracted Kagan's body from the giant python and are discussing his burial. Kagan was a large man, so bringing his body back to Dwarvar for a proper burial is not possible. After a difficult discussion, they decide to put his body in the python's nest to keep it safe from the elements and hidden from scavengers for at least a few hours. When they return to Dwarvar, Harl says, he'll send a detachment of dwarves down to retrieve the body for a proper burial. Before they place it in the nest, Eredin takes everything useful or valuable from Kagan's body and puts it in her pack. It appears that the life of their friend has been traded for 92 copper coins. They all find it difficult to walk away, seeing their former friend folded into such a little place. Even knowing that his body will be retrieved, it's difficult. But eventually Harl takes the lead, and, with nothing else they can do, the others follow, in silence, with their heads down. Thank you for listening to Tale of the Manticore. If you like what you've heard and you'd like to support the show, please consider leaving a five-star review on iTunes or some other podcatcher of your choice. I'd like to read one of these great reviews right now. Jared Shear writes, In a sea of actual plays and audio drama-esque podcasts, this one feels like it nails it. Excited to see where everything goes. Thank you very much, Jared Shear, for your kind words. I, too, am excited to see where everything goes. Feel free to get in touch with me anytime, either through Gmail at taleofthemanticore at gmail.com or on Twitter or Instagram. On Twitter, my handle is at manticoretale. And on Instagram, I'm at taleofthemanticorepodcast. I hope to see you there. The story will continue in the next episode of Tale of the Manticore, the story where chaos rolls. You see, looking up from the ground, blood-red clouds boiling across the sky. You did ask me to bring the thunder. Dejan! <laughs> Dejan! Help! I've got the chalice, please! Well, if they're following you, then I guess that takes care of a loose end for me. <laughs> All of you feel the earth beneath you shake and crack and break. I feel that I have failed both of you. And I am sorry for that. This has nothing to do with you being a bad leader. Do you want a countdown? Oh, I think I want a countdown. I wanted Three, to help. I always had good two, intention. I one. did not deserve to die. Now.
The Lucky Die Podcast is a weekly 5e Dungeons & Dragons actual play podcast. Join our adventure every Monday wherever you download podcasts by searching for The Lucky Die.